Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the 15th episode of the Three Point Threat Podcast. I am your host, Jared Woodcox, and we are underway with preseason basketball, guys. It's exciting to see, you know, the new look jazz team get on the floor. Um, you know, really excited that we're only, you know, a couple weeks away now from the start of the regular season. Um, I'm excited for what I've seen so far, and that's actually going to be our first point today on the show, is I'm going to give my initial thoughts on the Utah Jazz preseason. Obviously, there's a lot of things that I've been kind of thinking of and observed. Some of it I've written about on the jnotes.com, so hopefully you followed that. want to hopefully add a little bit extra insight to my thoughts on the Jazz preseason on the pod today. Um, so that's going to be point number one. For point number two, um, I actually want to talk a little bit about my reactions to the 2017 GM survey that just came out. Um, my JNotes colleague, Ryan Aston just put out a piece about, about um, Rudy Gobert um, and how he was on the GM survey. And pretty cool, he did get the nod as the, um, the best interior defender. Uh, but in a lot of ways, I felt like he was pretty highly disrespected in that GM survey. So I'll get into that a little bit more uh, for the second point. For point number three, I want to talk about the new all-star format. Um, It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be when I first saw the headline, and so I'll dive into my overall thoughts on that and how, if at all, it's going to affect the Jazz. So without further ado, glad you guys are joining me for the podcast today. Uh, Let's get on now with point number one. Point one. So even though it's just preseason, all I can say is I am so thrilled to have Jazz basketball back, as I'm sure all of you out there listening to me are. Um, so far, you know, I've been pleased. Obviously, we've gotten two wins. Um, that, that's been great to see. The Jazz have shown a lot of positive signs. Um, the biggest thing with preseason is I always feel like um, you should never overreact either way. You shouldn't put too much stock into the preseason, you know, for better or for worse. You know, a team is not going to be as good as you might think they are in the preseason. They might not be as bad as they look with their mistakes and things like that. Obviously, it's a time for Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff and some of the new players to experiment with different things because there's no risk, obviously. If they lose a game, it doesn't mean anything. Um, in these first two games, obviously, we know that it was against you know teams that were not nearly as talented as the Jazz or any NBA team. So it's hard to get too overly excited just based on that. I'll be excited to see how the Jazz do on Friday against the Phoenix Suns, um, see if they can still look as good as they have in these first two games against the two international teams that they played. Um, But the first thing that stood out to me, and I think a lot of Jazz fans will agree with me on this, is I've been very impressed with Dante Exum and Alec Burks. Um, I think that Exum, he looks refreshed. He looks confident. He had that breathtaking spin move in the game against um, Maccabi Haifa that I thought was just, wow, it was something we'd never really seen from him. And he's, he's looked really confident. He's made good basketball plays. Um, his efficiency, you know, could still be a little bit better, but I think he's taking good shots. Um, I really want to see Exum, you know, everybody talks about how he needs to, you know, be aggressive and attack the rim, and that's 100% true. I agree with that as well. But along with that, I really want to see him develop his corner three game. Um, I just feel like when he can be there and hit that shot consistently, it opens so many things up for him. If, if he has to be respected at that corner three, he's going to be able to drive to the rim. He's going to be able to drive and dish. Uh, you know, the cutting big man and things like that. There's just a lot of positives if he can really add that to his arsenal. So I've been really impressed with, with Exum. You know, Burks has looked really athletic. Um, he does look like his old self for now. Everybody, please knock on some wood for me for that. Um, I think he, along with Exum, they both need to work on their finishing a little bit. That has been something frustrating is that their, their ability to finish at the rim hasn't been exceptional. Um, so that's something I'd like to see. But overall, both have been fantastic. Um, Burks was obviously the leading scorer in the game against uh, Maccabi Haifa. 
and great to see that from him. You know, we were kind of curious about whether Burks is going to see the floor at all during the regular season, but if he continues to play as he has in preseason, going to be pretty hard to keep him off, to be honest. So really the battle going on, you know, I would say between Rubio, Hood, Donovan Mitchell, Dante Exum, and Alec Burks, you know, those five guards, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how that all plays out and who gets time and all of that. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. I, I don't envy Quinn Snyder because he's got a whole lot of hard rotations to figure out. Next thing, I mean, Rudy Gobert has been absolutely dominant as we would expect. Obviously, that's been in limited minutes. Um, I just think overall, a lot of guys have shown really encouraging signs. Again, not a, uh, not against the greatest talent, but still, it's been awesome to see them play together and play well. Donovan Mitchell was fantastic in the first game. Um, you know, every time he's on the floor, he just proves more and more that he belongs. Uh, he looks, you know, to be well advanced beyond his years. A lot of things about Mitchell that I'm really optimistic about. My biggest takeaway after seeing these first two games, though. Um, it, it relates to the Jazz offense. I really feel like their best offensive weapon is going to be their passing. You know, we have a team that's full of unselfish guys. There's not one guy on the team, at least not yet, and we hope this stays the case, but there's not one guy on this team that you can point to and say, oh, he's a selfish guy. He's a ball stopper. He's not going to play within the system. He's going to try to be the, be, you know, the guy unwisely. Uh, there's not anyone like that. And so I really like the fact that we got guys that are willing to move the ball, share the ball. You know, the Jazz had 31 assists against Haifa. Um, on Wednesday, which was just awesome to see. And really, you know, I mentioned this in one of my articles I wrote recently about the Jazz offense on the JNotes.com. Um, I think one of the reasons why their offense will be better than people think is the Jazz are going to be hard to game plan against. You know, there's there's not just one or two guys you have to stop. They have this attack, you know, really a 10 to 12 man rotation that any on any given night, any one of them is going to be able to punish you and be hard to handle. You can't slack off on anybody because, well, sure, maybe there's not one true, you know, perimeter star that can be knocking down and creating all these shots and just take over a game. You've got, you know, all these guys both throughout your first and second unit who are very talented, very good at scoring, despite what the national sentiment might be. And I think this Jazz team is going to be harder to defend than people realize. Um, as far as, you know, on the negative side of things, some things I'd like to see improved. Um, I'd like to see more out of Derek Favors. That's not to say he's been bad, per se. Obviously, his minutes have been extremely limited, and he has looked better. He's looked to have more bounce in his step and things like that. But I would still like to see more out of him. Um, you know, part of the concern with favors is that Rudy Gobert is going to be taking a lot of those pick and roll touches and, and deservedly so, but I really hope that we can see favors, you know, get some of those and, and have success, uh, with Rubio at the point and things like that. Um, speaking of Ricky Rubio, he's another guy we need to see more out of. Obviously he's 0 for 8 from the field in his first two games. Um, that's been in limited minutes. We all know that. Quinn Snyder made it clear that he wanted to really restrict Ricky's playing time, you know, resting from the Eurobasket tournament he played in. So, you know, those all factor in. But here's the thing, guys. I mean, we all know that Ricky Rubio is not a sharpshooter. We knew coming in that we weren't getting a guy that was just an ace shooter. But in all reality, he's he's got to get better. That, that's the thing about it is that, yeah, he we knew what we were getting in some respects, but we also have expected improvement, and we've got to have that. His passing is great. But you look at his stats from the game against uh, against Haifa the other night, and it was five assists, six turnovers, and, and no points. And that just isn't going to get it done. I mean, Rubio has got to find a way to be a threat offensively so that opposing teams don't just slack off him and make the Jazz that much easier to defend. You know, really in that game against Maccabi, obviously the Jazz they ended up winning You know, by 39 points. Um, but early on, the starters did not look good. 
Um, it was a rough start for the Jazz. There's there's no denying that. Luckily, once you got you know Exum in the game, I thought Exum was a great spark plug. The Jazz ran away with it based on you know their their um, their superior talent, their overwhelmingly superior talent. And so, really, just need to see Rubio get more integrated in the offense. And I'm I'm more than happy to give him time. I still think he can have a great year. There's just definitely been some concerns about him so far. Uh, more than anything, like I said, I'm really looking forward to Friday. I think that'll be a much better measuring stick to really see where this Jazz team is at when they take on the Phoenix Suns. So look forward to that, guys. We'll have Game 3 of the preseason on Friday against the Suns. And then, you know, not long beyond that, we'll be into the regular season. So those are my initial thoughts on preseason so far. I know we're early into it. Um, a lot of things that made me optimistic about the Jazz. And definitely the positives outweigh the concerns. So that's good news. With all that being said, now let's move on to point number two, where I will give my reactions to the 2017 NBA GM survey. Point two. So all of us Jazz fans are pretty well aware of the fact that we get overlooked a lot. I don't mean we the fans, I mean our team, our organization gets overlooked a lot. You know, it's something we're pretty used to by now, pretty accustomed to. But when things like the GM survey come out, you know, you hope that the GMs have more of a grip on the league and in a you know, more of a well-rounded understanding of, of who can do what and who's capable of what. When something like that comes out and you still feel like your team's getting slighted, it it can kind of be frustrating. And quite honestly, I felt like overall um, the Jazz had very little presence on the GM survey. And, you know, I get it. A part of that is because, you know, people think with Hayward and Hill gone that we're going to struggle this year. People think that well, there's not really that many standout guys on our roster. I, I get all that. We all know that uh, Rudy Gobert is very, very underrated despite all that, you know, jazz fans that have followed him closely know that he can do. So, you know, I feel like it's a little bit disappointing just to see that um, the jazz were largely left off the GM survey. Um, but that aside, I want to go through, I'm not going to go through every single question that was asked on that survey, but wanted to touch on a few things that really stood out to me on this survey, kind of give my two cents on them, um, both relating to the Jazz and around the league. So, you know, one of the first questions that's on there is, is you know, wh which team do the GMs believe will win the finals? And 93% selected Golden State to win the finals. Let me repeat that just one more time in case you missed it. 93% picked Golden State. And it's just ridiculous to me. I mean, we have a league where, you know, all offseason long, we had one of the best offseasons the league has ever seen. It was so exciting. All these changes, all these, you know, stars changing teams. We're still, you know, weeks from the season starting. And still everybody knows the practically inevitable truth that Golden State is going to win the championship. And that is pathetic. I'm sorry. That's just terrible. I mean, you look at the NFL right now, and sure, there's some, some teams that are standing above the others, but you have no idea who's going to win the Super Bowl. You can go place a bet, and you would not feel confident at all. If I was placing a bet on the Golden State Warriors, I'd feel very, very good about my chances. And I hate that. I don't like that at all. You know, not, It's not a bitterness against Golden State. It, quite honestly, if it was the Jazz that were this predict, this you know predicted to win, I'd be happy because it's my team, but at the same time, it's not a style or a, a situation that I like. I like the competitiveness. I like the whole, you know, not knowing how things are going to turn out. I like when, you know, the you know, the status of which teams are going to be the best is up in the air. So that's something that I'm really discouraged with. I could go on forever about how the whole Golden State situation frustrates me. I think it puts the league in a very, very bad place, um, despite what some people, including our, our commissioner, Adam Silver, might say. Uh, but I hate it 100%. I, I can't stand that, that this is how the league is right now. But that aside, um, looking at the rankings for both the East and the West, I agreed pretty much with the rankings. You know, they had Cleveland top in the East and then Boston second. I really think that Washington, Toronto, and Milwaukee could finish in any order just based on who steps up this year, who gets hot. 
I kind of think Toronto's on the downswing, whereas Washington, you know, they they could still be good, it, it, about as good as they were last year. I don't see them taking a huge leap. Milwaukee, I think, could take a step forward. I think that while Toronto is on the downswing a little bit, Milwaukee's on the upswing. So I think those guys could finish really in any order. Uh, the rankings in the West were a little bit surprising to me. I personally am not convinced that Houston is better than San Antonio. I know a lot of people, including some of my J-Notes colleagues, disagree with me. Um, thinking that Houston is the clear-cut number two team in the West ahead of San Antonio, but I, I just I, I refuse to ever sleep on San Antonio. They've just proven people wrong year in and year out. So that's my thoughts there. I thought it was a little interesting, and, and you know I'm sure a lot of the results came in before the Carmelo trade. But you know the OKC was still listed fourth. I wonder if that changes at all with, with obviously the Carmelo trade. I've talked about the Thunder last time on the show. And I think on paper, they have the potential to be a top three team in the West. But chemistry is my biggest concern there. So I think fourth is still a very realistic spot for them. But I also think they could get as high as second, quite honestly. Um, the other thing, everyone knows that Minnesota had a great offseason. No one's disputing that. But I still think pinning them as the fifth seed is too high. Um, overall, I think Minnesota's going to have a lot of kinks to work out. They'll be a good team. I am very, very confident that they'll be a playoff team, but I just don't know that it's all going to come together quite as people think. Um, one of the next questions is about the MVP, and, and LeBron was picked by GMs at the top of the list. Once again, he won 50% of the vote. You know, it could be. I mean, with, um, with Kyrie Irving gone and with Isaiah Thomas injured to start the year, maybe LeBron gets, you know, kind of a, a later career MVP award, even though he hasn't won one in quite a while. Um, personally, my pick is Kawhi Leonard, who came in at 11% of the vote. I thought it was interesting, though. The guy who won it last year, Russell Westbrook, didn't even receive any votes to win the MVP award um, in this upcoming season from the GMs. So I can understand why with um, with Paul George being there now, and, and obviously Carmelo as well, it's going to be hard for Russell Westbrook to even come close to replicating the season he had last year. But still, I, I think he's still a phenomenal player and could have a great year. So a surprise that he didn't even get a single vote. Um, this is something that, you know, going back to, you know, with Minnesota, thinking that they're pinned too high on those Western Conference rankings, I was absolutely floored at how many times Carl Anthony Towns showed up on this list. And I'm going to touch on these all a little bit later on, but, you know, he was at the top of the list of, you know, um, if, if a team was starting a franchise today, who would they want to build around? Um, he was top of, most likely to have a breakout season. He was top at best center which was the most infuriating, but like I said, we'll get there. And don't get me wrong, I think that Towns is is a great player and, and will continue to get better. But I, like I said, I'm just floored because I feel like he was very, very overrated in these uh, in these GM surveys. I mean, he still has a lot to prove. I mean, he was on a team that was the 13th seed in the West last year. And, and quite honestly, you know, he, he has to work on some things defensively. He needs to get more consistent um, you know, if he wants to be, you know, a stretch big, his three-point shooting is going to get better and things like that. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to knock on, on Towns at all. Like I said, I'd love to have him on my team. I think he's a fantastic player. But I still just think that he's getting a lot of hype right now that I, I really don't quite understand all the reasons for it. And maybe some people out there think I'm an idiot for thinking that. That's, that's fine. Maybe some people see exactly why he's getting all this hype. I just personally think that it's been a bit overblown. And in my mind, he has a lot to prove to me. If he has a great season, if he is the most you know, the most improved player, if he has a breakout year, maybe I'll eat my words and I'll be singing a different tune. But for now, I just am not quite convinced that Towns is exactly the player that, that these GM surveys made him out to be. I thought it was really interesting. Um, speaking of that breakout player, um, you know, the, the question is, you know, which player is most likely to have a breakout season, all that. Um, Rodney Hood got some votes there, which I thought was good to see. I think he is a, a most improved player candidate, depending on how the year pans out. 
outside of, of you know jazz players, I think Exum could be in the conversation too, depending on how the year goes for him. I really like Miles Turner. You know, I think he has a good chance of winning that Most Improved Player Award, and he's the guy I'm kind of pulling for on that. Um, you know, outside of the jazz players, obviously. Uh, and then going back to best center, I mean, it was absolutely shocking to me that Rudy Gobert, you know, wasn't even on the list as far as in the top four. He did receive some votes, um, but, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, like I said, was at the top of that list with 28% of the vote. You know, he was ahead of Anthony Davis, and Mark Gasol was listed as third. DeMarcus Cousins is fourth. And I just, I, I, I just could not believe this one. I, I, for Gobert to not even be in the top four, and for Towns to be number one ahead of Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis has always been very, very, you know, highly touted, and he's a great player. He beat out um, Rudy Gobert for the first team All NBA last year at the center position, so I could have understood that. But it's just, you know, the fact that Rudy Gobert got these end of season accolades last year, and it's like over the summer. You know, these GMs at least, and I'm sure several other casual fans and media members as well, they just forgot who Rudy Gobert was and everything he did last year. That's the way that it seems. So I was absolutely floored by that ranking in best center. And I loved Gobert's response to it. Obviously, you know, when, when he heard that the GMs didn't think that he was a top, uh, one of the best center in the league or however you want to put it, he said, yeah, well, they didn't think I was a top 26 draft pick either. And he's already proven that he's better than several players that were chosen above him in the draft. So I think this will just be more motivation for Rudy, but like I said, I was absolutely floored by that. Um, another question that stood out to me was which player acquisition is going to have the biggest impact on their on their new team. And almost 60% of the votes said that Paul George was going to be that, and I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I can see that having a big impact as well. I think that Paul George is a very good player, and putting him alongside another star in Russell Westbrook as long as the chemistry works out could be a very good fit for those two. Um, a side note on that question, I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm sure Jazz fans uh, will get a, get a little bit of a smirk out of this. As far as to the answering the question of which player acquisition will have the biggest impact on the new team, uh, Gordon Hayward didn't receive a single vote. Um, so like I said, I'm sure Jazz fans will find that something to, to smile about and laugh about. Kyrie Irving was fourth on that list with only 7% of the vote. So, you know, you figure that Kyrie's a better player than Gordon. If Kyrie only got 7% of the vote, it's not surprising that Hayward didn't receive any votes there. Um, Minnesota, again, as I mentioned, is the one that they picked um, as likely to be the most improved team in 17-18. They got 69% of the vote on that. Um, but then again, you know, they were really highly touted as being one of the most improved teams last year, and, and it didn't pan out. They didn't live up to those expectations. Granted, this year the difference is instead of just people thinking that most improved status will come from their already signed and already you know existing guys, it's going to come from some of the acquisitions they had this offseason. So I can understand that. I would not be surprised if this turns out being the case. Minnesota could very well be the most improved team. But as I've said in previous podcasts, you know, making a jump from 13th in the West to any sort of playoff spot, be it 8th, 7th, 6th, 5th, whatever it is, that's a huge jump no matter what. But to say they're going to be the fifth seed, that is just an astronomical leap, and, and we'll see if they make it there or not. I'm not convinced they will, but I could be wrong. Um, looking at the Rookie of the Year that the GMs voted on, um, Donovan Mitchell did not receive any votes in there. Um, not surprising, just given that he's probably going to be on the bench while there's a lot of rookies that are going to be playing key roles on their teams. Um, I still think he has a shot to be a dark horse um, a dark horse candidate for that, as long as he can you know, stay healthy and get, to, get enough minutes. Um, Lonzo Ball was the one that won that with 62%, which I thought was pretty high, especially with uh, you know Kyle Kuzma stealing the show for the Lakers um, in preseason so far. Um, my pick for Rookie of the Year is still Ben Simmons, just because I think that extra year of being around an NBA team is going to give him an edge. 
Um, you know, even though he didn't play, he still has that more of an NBA mentality, more of an understanding. I think if he stays healthy, I think he's got a great shot to win that. Um, the other rookie question where um, Mitchell was not listed was which rookie will be the best player in five years. Uh, Josh Jackson actually topped that list. Uh, but Mitchell was listed third as the biggest still the draft. He received 7% of the vote, so that was pretty good. And to me, you know, the rookie ones, I can't really fault anybody for their votes with the rookie questions because it's all just speculation. It's so hard to know. I don't put, put much stock into any of those yet. Just an example, last year in the GM surveys, Chris Dunn was the one that the GMs picked to win Rookie of the Year. He had 47% of the vote. And quite frankly, when it came down to it last season, he wasn't even in the conversation. He's already been traded to the Bulls. It's already been determined he's not going to be as key of a piece to the Wolves as people thought he would be when he was drafted. So that that's just one thing to remember about with those rookie votings. It's just so hard to know. It's all speculation. Um, speaking of snubs that I was earlier and, and things that made me mad, best international player... Rudy Gobert was nowhere to be seen. And, and last I checked, France is considered international. You know, if, if I'm wrong and I'm terrible at geography, someone please just tell me. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, you had Antetokounmpo topping that list, which I respect. I get that. Um, but then you have Jokic, Gasol, and Porzingis rounding up the top four. And the idea, you know, Jokic is great. I still think Gobert is better. Um, Gasol has a great resume, a great NBA career, so you could argue that. But to put Porzingis ahead of Gobert, I think, is just a complete and total load of bogus and a big insult uh, to Gobert. Uh, hopefully, again, it'll just provide more fuel to his fire. I couldn't believe that he was absent from the list of, of best international players in my mind. Um, best defensive player, you know, another snub for Rudy. He came in third, only 10% of the vote. Um, he was behind, obviously, Draymond Green and Kawhi Leonard. Um, which, again, not too surprising given the way the, these votes tend to go. Finally, though, Gobert did get some respect as he was number one in best interior defender with 66% of the vote. Uh, Well-deserved, obviously. It's just so strange to me, though, that he would get the nod as the best interior defender, but you know, not be really on the list for the best center in the league be very, very low as best defensive player. Very, very few votes there. And it's just interesting to me. I'm sure he's taken, taken note of all this and is ready to use it all for motivation and to put it in people's face when he hopefully proves them wrong. Um, one nice thing, you know, obviously it would have been nice to see him be number one, but that's not very realistic. The Jazz did get a nod as the best defensive team in the league. They, they did finish third in the voting uh, with 7% of the vote. And the fact that they were behind Golden State and San Antonio in that voting is pretty impressive. Um, you know, I could see it being a team that would slip a lot of people's minds. So the fact they did get that recognition was pretty cool. Um, as far as the coaching questions went, Quinn Snyder got a little bit of love. Some of his assistants got some love. Uh, but the fact of the matter, as I said at the beginning of this segment, overall the Jazz were very much, you know, underrated and underappreciated in these GM surveys, which we all have come to expect. We know we're a team that, that you know, flies under the radar. Um, I really love the saying from Gobert this offseason. I think it applies to the whole Jazz team that, you know, when you're in a small market like the Jazz are, you have to do, you know, three times the amount or whatever it was that, that other players and other teams have to do just to get noticed. And that is very much the case. Um, two more things about the survey I wanted to touch on. Thought it was interesting. Well, not surprising at all, I guess. So maybe not that interesting. But as far as the team, the, the question was which team was the most fun to watch. And Golden State won that by a landslide, taking 90% of the vote. And I mean, I guess if you enjoy watching blowouts night in and night out, um, you could say that's fun. I, I guess maybe I'm just interpreting this question the wrong way. Um, but again, just, just frustration with how the league is that there's a team that's pretty much an all-star team that's, that's allowed to go rampant on the league. And, and sure, I guess the way they play obviously is fun. I won't dispute that. They, may, they make a lot of great shots, have a lot of great talent. 
I just don't think it's a good a good sight, a good sign for the league. Last of all, uh, Ricky Rubio did get some love on the survey as well as he was voted the, the league's third best passer. Um, he received 7% of the vote. He was behind LeBron and Chris Paul and was actually tied with guys like James Harden and John Wall. So, you know, we know Rubio can pass, and that's a perception he has. He's, he's, he's got to live up to that. He has so far in his career with all the assists he's logged. I just worry about his scoring. You know, I, I really want Rubio to be a guy that is not just a passing and assist threat, but an overall offensive threat. That doesn't mean he has to be putting up 20 points a night, but it means that he's got to be able to be enough of a threat offensively that it's complementing his passing enough that he's more well-rounded offensively. If guys know he's not going to shoot or that he's going to shoot and miss, it's not going to help the Jazz that, he, that he's you know putting in all these dimes because teams are going to catch on real quick. So that's my thoughts on the GM survey. Uh, again, kind of disappointed the Jazz didn't get a ton of love in there, but I guess that's to be expected. Hopefully they can prove the doubters wrong and really instead of you know showing up in a preseason poll, instead they'll make their mark on the court during the regular season. That's what I'm looking forward to. Let's move on now to point number three. Point three. So a bit of interesting news came out this week, and it was relating to the new All-Star format, the new NBA All-Star format. And, you know, when I first saw the headline saying that the teams would no longer be East-West, you know, just the headline, I didn't read anything into it. I I was really excited, actually, um, because my initial thought was, great, we're just going to take the top 24 players regardless of conference. Um, That way, you know, the best players get in. You know, my mind from there started going, well... Man, if that's the case, Rudy Gobert should be a shoe in as an all-star. That's awesome. And even if you have someone like Rodney Hood or like Derek Favors that steps up, you could have maybe one of Utah's fringe all-stars, you know, actually make it because instead of there just being 12 slots in the West, we'll have 24 slots that one of them could potentially fill. Unfortunately, I had misunderstood or or just, you know, before I really looked into it, I, I was wrong on what those changes meant. Essentially, for any of you guys that, that have missed it or didn't know, um, selecting the All-Stars will be exactly the same as, as last year. You know, there's going to be the, the five starters from each conference that's selected by a combination of fan vote, media vote, and player vote. And then all of the reserves will be picked by the coaches. Um, again, it'll be 12 from each conference. So, in other words, each conference will have equal representation in the All-Star game. The only thing that changes is that the, the Eastern Conference players aren't going to all play on the same team and the Western Conference players aren't going to all play on the same team. They're going to do a thing where the, the player, the starter from each conference that got the most fan votes will be the respective two teams' captains and get to pick teams. I imagine kind of a schoolyard thing going on there should be kind of fun, kind of cool in that regard. You know, if I had to guess, I'd say that probably the two captains will be either LeBron James and Steph Curry or LeBron James and Kevin Durant. We'll see how the voting pans out. Um, But my thoughts on this, you know, it's pretty obvious why this change was made, and that's because the Eastern Conference is so pathetic, uh, for lack of a better term. I know that's pretty blunt. But in all honesty, we're going to have guys making it out of the East that, that can't hold a candle to guys that get snubbed in the West. One of my favorite examples is I look at a guy you know, like Damian Lillard, who has been a, a pretty consistent all-star snub in my mind, You know, even with there being a little bit more balance in the two conferences. Now, I mean, a guy like Damian Lillard that's a phenomenal player and by all rights probably deserved to be an all-star in years past and wasn't, and once again this year I'm sure will we'll deserve to be, he could be sitting out while a guy that's kind of a, a fringe player on the East is going to be in the All-Star game. It just doesn't really seem right to me. I don't like it. Um, I also, I'm not a big fan of, of, you know, getting away from the Eastern and Western Conference. But at the same time, I get why they're doing it. Um, you know, I guess you could say in some ways I'm in support of it. In, support of it, in some ways I'm not. 
I'm in support of the fact that they're trying to make this game more competitive because if it was just straight up West versus East, the score might be like 250 to, to 89 or something like that. Um, so I'm glad that they're, they're changing that. But I wish, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wish they didn't have to change that. I wish that the West and the East were balanced enough that that didn't become the case. You know, I've always, I've always, you know, cheered for the Western Conference. I was born and raised in the West. I've always lived in the West. There'll be a few guys I like in the East that I'll cheer for, but I just love that East versus West concept. Um, and so the fact that that's going away, while I get it that it helps with competition, I just wish it wasn't the case. Personally, if they're going to do it like this, I think they should just commit 100% and do what I thought it was going to be and just choose, you know, the 24 best players from the league regardless of conference. If it's 16 guys from the West and 8 from the East, so be it. If it's 20 from the West and 4 from the East, so be it. Let's just get the 24 best players in there. If you're going to pretty much admit by doing this that the Eastern Conference is a joke, so much so that you have to break up the teams and not have it be East and West, well then why even let these players that aren't as good get into the All-Star game at all? You know, it's just really ridiculous to me, and, and I shouldn't be so fired up about it since the All-Star game is pretty meaningless. Um, it's just I don't think it's fair to the players. I don't think it's fair at all to those that deserve to be in there and are quite frankly going to get robbed. You know, um, as far as I was kind of talking about who I'm going to cheer for this year, obviously if there's a Jazz player in there, Rudy Gobert better be in there. Um, that's the team that I'll be cheering for. But it just it's hard to really feel, you know, as much of a connection where it's just going to be these random teams put together. Um, where I prefer that East versus West concept. I also recognize that if we did just take the 24 best players, you know, there would no longer be an East versus West concept. Um, but at least it would be getting rid of this whole nightmare of where we're going to have players in there that I, I don't feel like they deserve to. So um, the one last thing I'll say about the new uh, format is I do like the fact that they're, they are going to be playing for charity now. Uh, I'm sure more details are going to be, be forthcoming on this. But essentially they'll be selecting a charity and the winning team um, that that's the charity that will that will benefit. You know, I don't know if it's the most or or if one will benefit some more than the other or how it's going to work. But it's cool to have some sort of motivation behind it because obviously the Australian has been a joke uh, for a very long time. I still don't know if the charity thing is going to be enough to really get the players to go out and be competitive. Um, probably not if we're honest with ourselves, but hopefully they pick stuff that pulls at enough guys' heartstrings that they're going to want to go out there and really play to win. I think that would be way more exciting than just the, the dunk contest and the showboating that we've got as the all-star game pretty much every year for the last, for the last few seasons. So that's my thoughts on the, uh, the new, all, the new all-star format. You guys probably got more out of that than, than you thought you would or heard more than, than you thought you were going to. Um, I just think it's a little bit ridiculous the state of the league right now, how bad the Eastern Conference is, how Golden State is pretty much the, the favorite without even taking the court. It's a little frustrating to me, I guess, as, as you can probably tell. And um, hopefully it changes here in a few years. Hopefully, you know, the Jazz can stay on top. Obviously, I want that. But more than anything, I just want a balanced and, and competitive league. So hopefully we get that here soon. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's show, everybody. I appreciate you listening. I'm excited to be 15 episodes in and excited to keep rolling along strong. Pretty soon here we'll be doing podcasts, um, you know, during the regular season. Have a ton to talk about. We'll be talking about the Jazz, what they're doing well, what they need to improve. So a lot of cool things to look forward to. Uh, tell your friends about the Three Point Threat podcast. Would love to get you guys, you know, sharing it with everybody. Make sure you're following on Twitter at 3P Threat Podcast. And be sure to stay up with all of our news on the jnotes.com. We're getting some new contributors added to the ranks. I'm really excited about what they're going to bring. It's going to be a great year um, on the jnotes.com. So make sure you're still following us. Thanks, everyone. So long.